T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. The Lakers have postponed their game against the Clippers tonight. Shaquille O'Neal is finally speaking about his brother, his friend, Kobe Bryant. Nike, you cannot get Kobe gear on their website. A lot of developments on the Kobe Bryant front. We will talk to John Kincaid, who has that interview with Shaquille O'Neal. Also, we'll hear from Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel about their friend, Kobe Bryant, as we continue to remember the Mamba, the Mamba mentality this week overshadowing in some instances the Super Bowl, the loss of Kobe Bryant. It's a Tuesday home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Super Bowl opening night last night. We discussed the short sleeve, zipped up sweatshirts with the hoodie that made the players sweat. Also made players sweat trying to find something bad anything bad, anything that they could say that isn't perfect about their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, seems like one of those guys that's just perfect on the surface, doesn't give a lot of uh, interesting material besides that, well, porn star instance that the players aren't talking about. Here is the tight end George Kittle asked, what is a flaw about Jimmy G? A not-so-perfect side of him? He is the worst texture of all time. I'm telling you, he leaves me on red all the time. I'll be like, hey, Jimmy, I got a question. Uh, maybe on this play, should I run my route like this? No response. Jimmy, you want to go to a movie? No response. And then the next day, he's like, yeah, I got your text. I just didn't respond. Thanks, Jim. That's awesome. So, yeah, he's a bad texter. Bad communication. Bad communicator? Your quarterback has to be a great communicator. That has to be his number one trait. There is some dirt about Jimmy Garoppolo. Nothing ticks me off more than a bad texter. Because, look, I understand that I have more free time than just about anyone on the planet, but I don't understand (laughs) anyone that pretends to be so busy, Ross, that they don't have 30 seconds to text you back. Nobody is that freaking busy, bro. Dave... As usual, not always, but usual, you are a thousand percent right. You are preaching to the choir. If you don't respond to someone's text, you are basically giving them the middle finger. That's what you're doing. If you don't respond to somebody's text, we know you got it. It's right there on your phone. You check your text messages all the time. And please don't tell me you're too busy. We're all busy, bro. You you don't think I'm busy? I'm busy all day. You want to see my calendar for today? I'm busy all day. I still text people back, usually very promptly. Sometimes it takes me a while, but always text people back. It is like someone walking by you in the hallway saying, hi, Ross. And you just looking at them or not even looking or just keep walking if you don't text somebody back. That's what it's like. It's disrespectful. And you know what else? Don't tell me you're too busy. Tell me that you lack attention to detail. Tell me you're disorganized or tell me you're just disrespectful and don't give a shit about me. Don't tell me you're too busy. Boom! You scared me with the boom there. Made me jump a little bit back into my seat. Yeah, it is literal middle finger. So you might as well text back the middle finger emoji when you don't answer somebody's text. You might as well just give it right back to them. And I'm surprised that a quarterback would be that guy. I would think a quarterback at least would give you a a one or two answer sentence there because that is your job to be the communicator. But maybe it's annoying getting a text from your tight end about play formations. Although you hear 
the all-time workers like Peyton Manning were the guys like calling up Adam Gase in the middle of the night when they were in Denver with continued questions about the offense and about the play calling. Um, surprising to hear Jimmy G is that guy, but it's also good to know there is some flaw on a guy that on the surface seems just about too perfect, kind of like Tom Brady, right? Yeah, I like that. I like that you know, we at least know that about him. Shout out to George Kittle for giving us something we can bitch about as it relates to Jimmy G. Let's go Chiefs. Now I want the Chiefs to win the game. <laughs> no, but uh, look, there's a lot of bad textures out there. You know, my sister's a bad texter, Dave. My sister. And I always laugh. I'm like, and I don't know. I mean, she's older. She's four years older. She's 44, though. It's not like she's 84. And by the way, conversely, my mom's the greatest texter in the history of the world. My mom will text. You want to play a game? I'm going to text my mom right now. We're going to play a game. This is happening right here live on the radio.com app, radio.com slash home. I'm going to just text mom. What should I text her? I don't know. It's, so we're testing whose mom is faster texting us back. Whose mom loves them more. Is that where this is headed right, on, on thing, home and home? We got to say the same thing. We can't be like, text me back right away. No, I don't think it can be the same thing. I think you got to try to invoke a reaction, whatever it is. Um, hey, mom, so think, how are you? No, that because that, that's easy to ignore. It has to be a question that needs answering right now. So it's personal. It's whatever your ongoing discussion with your mom is about at the moment. So it doesn't matter what the content is. Let's just see whose mom loves them more and who is a faster texter. Now, ask this. We are debating on the show whose mom loves them more. Just text that. Okay, okay. Do you have that message sent now? On show, whose mom, don't send it yet, loves them more. Let me know when you're ready. Put your phone up. Uh, I'm a a bad texter. I'm slow at it. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. ready? Live radio and video. Okay, one, two, three, send. Yeah, we do stuff here on Home and Home. You probably don't get on other programs. So so let's see who texts them back faster. It's clearly going to be you. My mom's on the uh, in, in uh, mountain time, so it's 745 out there. You've got the advantage of a time zone. No, 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 no. 745 is prime. I got up. Yo, uh, how you doing? Time. 945, my mom is like probably doing something. What's really going to be epic is my mom's response. It'll be like, that's impossible. Nobody could ever love anyone more than I love you. It's going to be All right. We're talking about this, of course. Joe Shasky, 95.7, the Bay Area. Joe Shasky, we're talking about texting because it was interesting to hear George Kittle reveal the flaw. The one flaw about Jimmy G is that he doesn't text back at all doesn't text back George Kittle's questions about the play calling. Is that Jimmy's only flaw? And how do you feel about a bad texter? Well, first off, I'm the guy who's notorious for having everybody on mute. Like there's nothing worse than being like completely bombarded with texts in the middle of the show. I call it the private show. I tell some of my boys, stop sending me the private show. I don't care about your sports takes in the middle of me trying to do my sports show. It totally distracts me. Um, Regarding Jimmy Garoppolo's flaws, I I mean, the guy, look, you want to know what the guy's football flaw is? The guy's football flaw is he hasn't been asked to throw the ball outside the numbers often this year that's one area if you're looking for an actual on-field flaw that i would be looking to expose it's making jimmy garoppolo throw the ball outside the numbers that's just something that shanahan doesn't ask him to do a whole lot and that's something that seems like he's reluctant to do he's reluctant to just let it rip on those big deep outs um those really difficult across field throws so Regarding his texting, I mean, I told Jimmy G, stop dating porn stars. Don't tweet a whole lot. If you don't text your buddies back, 
It's not the end of the world, to be honest with you. Every now and then, we got a buddy who we call the hermit, right? I mean, it's okay. I want my quarterback to be a giant nerd. I don't want to be him out at the club at 3 in the morning, Snapchatting, texting, tweeting. Like, less is more, bro, especially when you're the face of the franchise. Uh, Dave, uh, I have the evidence for you right here. <laughs> this I'm not came surprised. This came in a minute ago while Joe was talking. I love you the most for sure. Uh, four exclamation points. And then love you the most. Five exclamation points. Exactly. She must have started listening to the show or watching the show. <laughs> and then she said, no contest. I, I think that deserves another boom. Joe. Is that tangible evidence that my mom loves me more than Dave's mom loves him? Yeah, I guess, but I'm more curious on where the hell are you right now? Are you in a cabin in the woods with J.J. Watt? Like, seriously, look at that room this guy is in. I mean, geez, Louise. I guess it is uh, proof, though, that your mom loves you more. My mom will send me a text message in the middle of something very important. Like, I'm in the middle of the fourth quarter of a CYO basketball game. She's like, where are you? It's like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm trying to dial up an inbound play right now, Ma. Uh, uh, yeah, the moms, so no, I, uh, yeah, so, Joe, I'm, I'm in a hotel room in Miami. I'm going, uh, I'm going to the radio row in uh, an hour after we're done with the show. So, yes, this is my glorious hotel room. I can open it up a little bit. You want to, I got a tremendous view of that building right there, whatever <laughs> that building is. Um, I want to go back to the Jimmy G thing, though, for a second. Is there anybody, Joe, that's not totally sold yet? Or is there any part of you? Like, are you 100% sure that he's the guy for the next 10 years? Or is it 99.5%, Joe? Man, Ross, that is such a great question. I think that you have to look at the dichotomy of Niner fans. Even when Steve Young, back-to-back -back MVPs, was taking this team to the NFC Championship game, I had people like my grandfather and my dad saying, you know, he's got to win the big one if he wants to be Joe Montana. And that's kind of always been the standard, unfortunately, that the, the quarterback who is the 49ers' current quarterback has been chasing. It's been ghosts. Jeff Garcia had a three-time Pro Bowl career with the Niners, 4,000 yards, three consecutive years. Ah, but he's never won the big one. And that's always going to be the case. Now, you ask me, is he the quarterback for the next 10 years? You know, I learned just a couple of years ago with Colin Kaepernick, nobody is a lock for more than two or three years as a quarterback anywhere. I mean, I thought Colin Kaepernick was going to be this team's quarterback for 15 years. I really did. And, and, and we were all wrong. So... Is Jimmy the quarterback right now for the next couple of years? Absolutely. But stuff happens so quick in the league. Injuries. I mean, I saw Navarro Bowman go from a Hall of Fame trajectory to the guy can't even walk, you know, for six months. It's football so violent. The game changes so quick and so rapidly. Nothing is a given. He's the great quarterback for right now for what this team wants to do. A lot of people have faith in him. But I do think in the back of 49er fans' minds, it's like... Man, I don't know. He's got to win the big one to really prove to us that, that he's the dude. And that might be handing the ball off 40 times this next game uh, and only throwing the ball 15 times. Who knows what the template is for a victory. But until you hoist the Lombardi, Niner fans are never going to give you that benefit of the doubt. Talking to Joe Shasky, the Butcher Boy, 95-7, the Bay Area, about the big game. And let's continue on, Jimmy Garoppolo, because uh, on its surface, one would think Andy Reid puts all, all the chips on stopping this running game. How to do it? Not that clear. How many times do you think Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw the ball to win this game? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. I think the sweet spot's about 25 to 28 times yeah. uh, in this particular game. Uh, you're going to have to throw the ball early just to kind of get those safeties to back off the line. And that's kind of been the template, not just in the first drives in the playoffs, but throughout the entire regular season. You've seen that they go pass happy the first drive of the game, the first 15 scripted, as Shanahan's so famous for. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has been his go-to blanket guy, especially over the middle. Debo Samuel on the quick 
little slants. Uh, obviously, they want to get George Kittle involved. There's going to be a lot of little drag routes and just simple, easy throws to get Jimmy Garoppolo in rhythm. And I think that that's one area that Kyle Shanahan excels at. It's, it's getting Jimmy rhythm early and often. And I think specifically in the Viking game, he was a little errant with his throws. He was a little high early. And I think the head coach said, okay, Zimmer's all over me. I don't really have to throw the ball today. There's no point in me trying to prove something. Let's just run the ball down their throat. I just think they have to throw. I think they're going to have to throw the ball effectively just to open things up for the run game. And I think the sweet spot is between 25 and 28 throws. If he's throwing for 40 times in a game, I got a feeling that we're chasing. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. I don't want to be chasing Mahomes, and I don't want to be chasing Andy Reid. I want them to be chasing this 49er defense. So 25 to 28 is my sweet spot. All right, so, Joe, it's early in the week. There was a decent amount of fans, I'd say, for both teams at opening night last night. But I'm curious, what are you hearing? What's the buzz? Do you expect the Niners faithful to be out in full force this week, and in particular at the game on Sunday. I know it's a far, far trek from San Fran, but I also know a lot of San Fran people got some serious coin. What are you thinking? Okay, Ross, first and foremost, don't ever call it San Fran. It's Frisco. We hate San Fran. I don't just... It drives me nuts. I can hear my dad screaming at me right now. It's San Francisco or it's Frisco or it's the city or the city by the bed. That being said, they're going to travel deep. They're going to travel deep. We got Silicon Valley money out here, man. There's a lot of people that are Fairweather fans, but they got the cash and they can go out there and drop $15,000 on a trip to Miami. My dad and my grandfather, my brother and I, we looked at tickets the minute they won the NFC Championship game. $6,000 was the cheapest individual seat. I, I was like, wow, $6,000? And then the flight over to Miami, you're looking at a five to seven, sometimes eight hour flight, depending on where your layover is. It can go anywhere from $500 to $3,000. It's just, it's a very expensive trip, but there are a lot of people in the Bay Area that got that kind of cash, and God bless them. I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, the station didn't send me down. I'm very jealous of you, Ross, right now, to be honest with you, but uh, I think that the 49er fans are going to roll deep, and if you've looked at what they've done on the road in New Orleans, uh, obviously, they went, they went up to Seattle. Um, every single road game, it seems like lots and lots of Niner fans have showed out, so I expect that trend to continue, to be honest with you. Let me tell you one thing. Talking to Joe Shasky, 95.7, the Bay Area, the butcher boy, going to the game is overrated in 75% of experiences. Unfortunately, you are the one that I believe it would not be overrated for <laughs> because you are such a passionate fan. But dropping 10 grand is just not worth it, especially when you factor in the, the halftime show and the commercials, the experience in HD on your couch is better 100 out of 100 times, but it's unfortunate you can't be here for this one as they try to win their first Super Bowl in 25 years. Also interesting advice not to say Sam Fran. We're helping you out here on Home and Home, so don't say Sam Fran. Don't say Houston we have a problem. And I'll add one more. <laughs> don't ever call Boston Beantown. They hate that there. So three things not to refer to cities as. All right, Joe. Most important player on the football field for San Francisco to win that game. Could it be Richard Sherman? Could it be George Kittle? Could it be uh, obviously Jimmy G? But if they're to win this game, who's the one most important person on the football field? Wow, that is a great question. There's so many people that I want to highlight. I want to go Sherman. I want to go Bosa. I want to go Jimmy Garoppolo or Raheem Mostert. I'm going to say it's, it's one guy on each side of the ball. Kyle Juszczyk on, on offense. I think when this guy is part of the passing game and he's dominating in the run game and he's controlling where the ball is going with those motion, that pre-snap movement, and his ability to just get out and plow ground for this run game, I think he is vital. If he has a great game, I think this offense has a great game. And then defensively, I'm going to go to Fred Warner. You probably haven't heard his name a whole lot this week. Fred Warner is the most reliable linebacker we've had since Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. This guy is just, 
He's so mature beyond his years. He never gets too excited. He's always in the right spot. He always wraps up and makes such smart, smart plays. This guy had the green dot helmet as a rookie last year up in Minnesota, first week. I have tremendous respect for Fred Warner. I think his, his IQ is just through the roof, and his ability to make plays for this defense never gets highlighted by the casual fan. And I, I think those are the two guys that I would pick this week. You're probably not going to get many people talking about an inside linebacker and a fullback. But that's how weird this 49er team is. It's a throwback team. And when I talk about dominating the line of scrimmage, that's how they've won all their games this year. And it's because of guys like Fred Warner and it's because of Kyle Juszczyk and his domination in the run game. I mean, he dominated two weeks in a row in the playoffs. He barely touched the football. That's throwback old school football. I know Ross Tucker can appreciate that. Yeah, Joe, you are, I mean, I love both those guys. I talked to both of them last night. Uh, Juszczyk's a friend. Fred Warner, I love all the Niners linebackers. I interviewed Dre Greenlaw last night. There was nobody around him. That dude's going to a Pro Bowl in the next couple of years. <laughs> I love Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner are stone-faced killers. They fly around. I asked them both the same question, Joe. You'll appreciate this. I said, can you please assure me that if Patrick Mahomes is tiptoeing through the tulips down the sideline for a 30-yard touchdown, that you won't let that happen? And they both got a big grin, and they're like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do my best. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, bro. They're like, uh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> oh, man. It won't happen, which is awesome. So I got one more question, Joe, about San Fran that I wanted to ask you. And that is... <laughs> Twist the knife! <laughs> so talking about... Okay, I got a question for you, Joe. Yeah. Is both Niners and 49ers both acceptable, or is one preferred? Niners or 49ers? No, 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 no. You, you could say 49ers, Niners, uh, 40-effing Niners, as a lot of the T-shirts out here will say, a famous T-shirt Joe Montana wore in the, the early 1980s. Yeah, those are all acceptable. And uh, it's okay. You can, you can call it Frisco. You can call it San Francisco. You can call it the city by the bay. Just don't call it San Fran, and don't forget about draft. All right? Just like Eminem said. All right. I, this is the impossible thing for you to do, but we're asking you to answer just one thing, not expand on it. Our poll at RDC Home and Home, what is the must-see positional head-to-head -head battle in the Super Bowl? Is it Garoppolo Mahomes? Is it Kelsey versus Kittle? Is it Sherman versus Tyron Matthew? Or is it Reed versus Shanahan? Just give us one of those four choices. I'm going to go with Reed and Shanahan. Uh, I, I know that this is going to be... Yeah, I'm going to go with Reed and Shanahan. I know that I want to go quarterbacks, but, I mean, I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo mm. throw for 40, you know, times and win in New Orleans, but I've seen him throw, like, 11 times and, and beat teams in the playoffs. So... Um, okay. I don't want to take the quarterback. And also, I've seen quarterbacks throw for 350 yards on this 49er team, and the game was already decided. So the stats were kind of hollow. Like last week, Aaron Rodgers, he threw for a bunch of empty calories. It was the Kirk Cousins special, right. as you like to call it. But uh, Andy Reid, look, this is a guy 60-something years old. He's a lifer, one of the all-time great head coaches in NFL history, one of the great play designers, one of the guys who squeezes the lemon for every ounce uh, that it's worth. And then Kyle Shanahan wants to be Andy Reid someday. You know, I mean, I know we want to crown these young offensive coordinators, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, but you got to do it for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And Andy Reid's yeah. one of those guys that I just have tremendous respect for. And I think it's going to come down. I, I mean, I hate to say this. It's going to come down to the clock, guys. It's going to come down final five minutes. One of these guys is going to do something to the other on the field that's going to force the other guy into a situation where he's going to have to call a timeout. He's going to have to yeah. stuff the run. He's going to have to throw the ball. I don't know what that situation is, but I think this is going to be a close game. It's going to be a chess match, and I think at the end of the day, we are going to be dissecting the, the decision from some of these head coaches on the sideline, it sucks to say it, and we always play the results, but I think it's going to come down to Shanahan and Reed. And I, I think you look at these two teams, these are the yeah. two maybe best coach teams, guys. 
And and our viewers, our followers agree with you. 46% of you say Reed versus Shanahan. The last time both were in a Super Bowl, some major clock management issues. 28-3 to <laughs> with Shanahan and how Andy Reed handled the Eagles against the Patriots. So a great point by Joe Shasky, the butcher boy. 95-7 in the Bay Area. Great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. And Ross, enjoy Miami Day. Let's go, baby. I'm watching it from the couch. All right, baby, let's do it. It's good from the couch. It is better from the couch, trust us. So we mentioned Atlanta there. We're going to go to Atlanta next on this program. That's where Kyle Shanahan was the last time he was at the Super Bowl, the 28-3, to of course, debacle. John Kincaid will weigh in on that, but he joins us next with exclusive audio of Shaquille O'Neal reflecting on the loss of his brother, of his good friend and former teammate, Kobe Bryant. Some unique reflections from John Kincaid and Shaquille O'Neal after the break. First, though, we're going to tell you about ZipRecruiter and Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz. He had a really nice experience with ZipRecruiter. He was experiencing how challenging hiring could be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. You see, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, and its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, well, it's really no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes? Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. I'm not doing well. I'm sick. I'm just getting over the death of my sister. And the same thing hit when uh, I found out this news. I was downstairs working out with Shakir, and my other son, Greg, showed me the T and Zim clip. And I yelled at Greg, say, yo, man, get that shit out of my face. Just get it out of my face, because you know how the Internet hoax and all that you know, I figured somebody was just playing around. So it just, I didn't want to believe it. And then everybody's calling me. Is that true? Is it true? So I'm like, it must not be a hoax because now the whole world knows this information. So now I'm saying, please don't be true. Please don't be true. Please don't be true. And I'm watching. And then you get the confirmation. And sad enough, when you hear his daughter is with him. I didn't do anything. I haven't eaten. I haven't slept. I'm looking at all the tapes, but uh, I'm sick right now. Shaquille O'Neal reacting like a lot of us did. Please don't be true. When we first saw the news on TMZ that the great Kobe Bryant had passed away, died on a helicopter crash, that was my reaction. Please don't be true. And that reaction was raw. The first we've heard from Shaq on the big podcast with Shaquille O'Neal. It's a Tuesday home and home. We are remembering Kobe Bryant, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker on the road today down in Miami for the Super Bowl, where a lot of those players are also reflecting on the loss of Kobe Bryant. John Kincaid is a host uh, at 680 The Fan in Atlanta with CBS Sports Radio and the host of the big podcast with Shaq. He got that raw reaction from the big fella there, and he joins us on the program this morning. John, it's great to talk to you, my friend. Dave Briggs here and Ross Tucker as well. it's hard to hear Shaquille O'Neal say he's not eating and he's not sleeping. How, how much is he hurting? 
He's really hurting, Dave and Ross, and uh, good to talk to you guys. Um, he's it, it really is. He referenced in the beginning of the piece that his younger sister uh, passed away from cancer towards the end of 2019, and it really tore him up. And you could see it on him. You could see it that uh, when I saw him in person a week ago, I said to him, are you sleeping? I said, you look tired. And he's been really haunted by his sister's death because, as he talks about later on, there's more in the podcast about it. He talks about the fact that you don't expect your little sister um, to go before you. And Shaq's very haunted by death. He's one of those guys who, who is always bothered. Uh, he thinks about death more than anybody I've ever known. And he doesn't even like the word. Like when we bring it up on a podcast, somebody dying, he goes, stop talking about death. I don't like death. He worries about it. And he was really torn up by that. And then to have this happen uh, is really it, – it's, it's really moved him. I, I, we were worried about him yesterday. You know, we want him to uh, – he's off to L.A. today to do the special tonight. And I don't know how he's going to get through it because it's, uh, it just has really torn him up. John, I'm curious. Uh, you know, obviously you've been doing the podcast with Shaq now for a few years. You guys have become close. You have a good friendship. I'm curious as to just wh- how close he was with Kobe. What was that well, relationship like? Well, Ross, one of the things is is that in, in this week's podcast, if people go to Podcast One and they download it, uh, we not only have that conversation around 20 minutes with Shaq from yesterday, but we replay the Shaq-Kobe interview that we conducted in 2015. And when I moderated that, that was their first conversation in 11 years. That was the first time the two of them had ever had a extended conversation in 11 years, other than just uh, in passing saying hello. They had never had more than just casually saying hello to each other. And they both, we replay that entire interview so everybody can hear it. And they get very sort of raw with each other about uh, telling the truth about what happened, uh, how their relationship had broken down, uh, who's to blame. And Shaq will surprisingly take the majority of the blame. He, in fact, he takes the vast majority of the blame. And I laughed because Kobe didn't contradict him. <laughs> like Kobe, Kobe definitely said he played a part in it, but that Shaq was the one who had really, he messed with him like a big brother with a little brother and being a little brother and having a big brother. I really sort of likened their relationship to that. But guys, the best part about it is though, in the years since every once in a while, you'd see like, Shaq would say something like, yeah, I saw Kobe in the family the other day. Uh, yeah, Sharif, his son, who's now transferred out of UCLA, who, by the way, Kobe was DMing less than 45 minutes before his death, was checking in on Shaq's son to make sure that he's okay. Is there anything he can do for him as guidance or otherwise? Because Shaq's son, Sharif, idolized Kobe. And Kobe took him under wing and trained with him. And so over the years, from the time we did that interview in 2015 to today, they weren't best of friends. They were never going to be yeah. best buddies, hang out, do everything. But they had come to such a place where their families got close, where their children got close, where Kobe's children called Shaq Uncle Shaq, where Shaq's children did the same. And I think that's like the most beautiful part of the story is that, thank God, that all got worked out not like some fairy tale it was very real and their issues with each other were very real but they managed to grow up be grown men put it behind them and find a way to have a really like really really beautiful relationship down the stretch you can find the big podcast with Shaq on podcast one it's also available on itunes and this one is an absolute must listen here is kobe uh, excuse me here is Shaq on on his love for Kobe Bryant, listen. And I know some idiot's gonna bring up the relationship with me and Kobe had. Our relationship was was that of brothers. When I saw Kobe and his daughters, loved them. He saw my kids, loved them. If you look at my kids' tweet, uh, Instagram, he talked to Sharif yesterday morning. Yeah, he was checking so, in. He was checking in on yes, your son. So, not an hour before his death. So all the stuff that is documented between us, it was never a dislike. It's just, listen, this is what brothers do. I have a younger brother. We fight all the time. But guess what? I love him. And I love Kobe Bryant. I'm the first to say, hey, I got four rings, and I know I couldn't have got three without him. 
That is real. That is raw. John Kincaid with us. 680, the fan, also the host of the big podcast with Shaq. You said Shaquille O'Neal took a lot of the blame for that relationship turning sour. Where does the credit go? What brought them back together as brothers? Well, I'd like to take the credit for that, but I can't. Uh, It was a great (laughs) questioning that I brought them together like Oprah on a couch. But no, what really happened is is that both men changed. uh, Kobe became a father. And I think that Shaq talks about it that he saw a complete change in Kobe Bryant once Kobe became a dad and that they would constantly talk. And he even brings it up yesterday when they were, when they're together, they found themselves in a place where they were together and could hang out and talk and, and everything. It was always about their children and they found a common ground. And I really believe Shaq's children and Kobe's children brought the two adults together who both at various times acted like children you know, in their relationship, but their kids brought them together because Kobe's kids gravitated to Shaq. Shaq's kids gravitated to Kobe. Um, just that there, there was a fondness there. There was a warmth there. And I think both men learned to just look at it and say, man, look, look, I, I can respect him. I respect him as a dad. I have common ground with him as a dad. And I think that's where it all sort of came together. And I can tell you this, from what I know of Shaquille in the five years we've known each other, if this had happened to Kobe and they hadn't worked that out, that beef out, uh, I, I don't know. He's the kind of guy, he has the biggest heart. He's a sweet, sweet man, and uh, much like Ross Tucker. And if you, uh, you know, and, and, and he, would, um, he would clearly have been wrecked by that if that had not, uh, if that had not resolved itself. John, uh, knowing that you grew up uh, in Philadelphia, I'm curious, did you – always take some measure of pride in Kobe's career or because he wasn't a sixer, um, did you not really care? Look, I'm a, I'm a Philly fan, Ross. So I rooted like hell against Kobe Bryant and I rooted like hell against Shaquille O'Neal too. It's one of our major beefs. I look back on that finals between Iverson and Shaq and Kobe. And I, I, I still have bad feelings about it. Uh, strangely, my dad is a graduate of Lower Marion. Uh, high school. That's the high school that my dad went to. Um, all of my, uh, almost all of my uncles and, and a bunch of my cousins went to Lower Marion High School. I have uh, relatives of mine on the police force in Lower Marion. Um, the, uh, we have members of my, my cousin is the fire chief of the town next to it. So they had watched Kobe Bryant come back to the community. And one of the things, Ross, about him is the fact that Kobe, when he would go back, um, Kobe always had this unapproachable quality to him as a professional, whereas Shaq is the guy that comes into the restaurant and causes the scene and, and all the kids are climbing on him and goofing off and, and, he's, and he's stepping behind the counter and, and taking pictures. Kobe was much more elusive. Kobe was much more reclusive. But when Kobe would go back to Lower Marion and Kobe would go back into town and be amongst the place where he grew up, I actually think he was more comfortable because I think he felt like that was people who knew him when he was just when he really wasn't anything yet when he was an up and coming potential guy. I went and saw Kobe play in high school. Saw Kobe play in high school at Lower Marion, and I remember them having to have the fire chief there every single game, having to have the fire marshal there to make sure that the gyms weren't overflowed, so there would be some sort of a violation. And I know that they fudge the rules because he used to play packed houses at the now Bryant Gymnasium as Kobe has, has donated so much money to make sure the kids at his school have the best of the best uh, for a local public school. And he's ama- he, he was amazing to that community. And many people in that community say the Kobe they would hear about, the more um, uptight, the more um, sort of, uh, um, you know, a guy who was more reclusive, didn't really want to interact with the public. That wasn't the public that, that they knew. That wasn't the Kobe that they knew in the Lower Marion area. So I rooted Talking like to John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is a, some interesting stories there from John Kincaid, uh, host at 680 The Fan and host of the big podcast with Shaq. Um, I can't get a, I can't wrap my arms around why this one hit me so hard, John. I was crying all day Sunday. I still tear up when I think about it. And you bring up a good point that Shaq is the approachable, lovable, likable guy. Has this 
Kobe loss hurt people of our age group so hard because this was Superman. This was oh. a guy that we watched grow up and it made us all feel vulnerable. It made us all feel like it could happen to us. And also seeing him as a father at the very end, I think hits again, guys in our age group in our forties. So, so much harder than I ever would have imagined. Well, I think it's, it's, it's part of that. It's weird, Dave. Now you in your forties and I'm my fifties. And it's like, for me, I can recite chapter and verse all the games that I watched Jordan. And then a lot of times with Kobe, a lot of his greatest moments, I'm a young dad, I'm busy, I'm doing other things. I didn't have that same impact. My producers in Atlanta and things like that, they were more of Kobe. And I think now the kids growing up are more LeBron. It's as if there's transitional figures in NBA history that carry fandom through and really relate. It's something that baseball needs to learn. It's something, and I don't know that it can be organically created. It has to be organic. But NBA seems like it just has star after star that passes it to the next group of guys. And maybe it's a 10-year window of age where Kobe's your guy or Jordan was the guy or LeBron's the guy that they've been blessed to have those kind of figures. And I think that's why it moved you, Dave, is that also, too, uh, and I know this about you, and I, and, and I know, it's, you know, we're parents. And when, a, when an accident happens like that, when a disaster happens like that, and there are children involved, and Shaq was very clear yesterday, wanted to acknowledge the other people in the, in the crash, too. Uh, there were three children that had their lives snuffed out. And to me, as the father of a 10th grader in high school, I, I, I'd, I'd lose my mind. I'd lose my mind even thinking about anything happening to my daughter. And I think that everybody was wrecked a little bit more because of the fact that it wasn't just a bunch of adults who've lived their lives, who've gotten to do all these kind of things, but the loss of children's lives is just, it's unspeakable. Yeah. It really is. It's unspeakable. And I think that's why this loss even took a worse thing, because you saw all the pictures of, of Kobe and Gigi, and they were incredibly close and incredibly tight. And Gigi was obsessed with, uh, you know, here with Trey Young in Atlanta was her favorite player in the NBA, and they actually traveled to make sure that she could see games this year. The NBA games that Kobe had seen in person this yep. year had all involved Trey Young of the Hawks because that was yep. the player that, that Gigi was so obsessed with and so excited to see. And it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing, and I know it's taken a, a toll on Trey, too. Uh, he was really overwhelmed with it all. John Kincaid, 680 The Fan in Atlanta, host of the big podcast with Shaq. Check them out podcast one or on itunes it is a must listen interview with shaquille o'neal john it's great to talk to you thank you my friend. nice talking to you guys and uh, it's, ross no trouble in florida please i will be in vegas for the super bowl no trouble in florida we don't want any calls all right sounds good i won't <laughs> <laughs> take care buddy see ya. Ross will stay out of trouble there in South Beach. In just a moment, we'll hear from some of the 49ers players who talked on opening night about the loss of Kobe Bryant. But Jimmy Kimmel is a good friend, of, was a good friend, uh, it still doesn't seem real to me, um, of Kobe Bryant. And he talked last night. He gave a special tribute, a long special tribute to Kobe Bryant, as did Jimmy Fallon. But listen to what Jimmy Kimmel said, and I think really reminds us why all of us, whether you are a fan or a friend or neither of Kobe Bryant, why we're all hurting. Listen. He was just the last person you could ever imagine something like this happening to. He was so strong and, and handsome and smart and energetic. He was a hero. And when I say that, I don't mean a hero like real heroes like firefighters or doctors and nurses who actually save lives. I don't mean to compare what he did for a living to what they do. Um, I know there are more important things in basketball. Almost everything is more important. But Kobe was a hero in the way Superman is a hero. He was so big, it was almost like he was a fictional character. He was a real-life superhero with a costume and everything walking amongst us. Those of us who love the Lakers know it. It seemed like he always came through. He always showed up to save the day. He wanted to save the day. He had a force of will he never gave up. As an athlete, he was incredibly gifted, more than almost anyone. He was talented beyond reason, and yet he worked harder than everyone. He worked harder than people with much less talent than he had. He took his job and his pursuit of excellence so seriously. He was completely dedicated to being as good as he possibly could be. 
which is inspiring to anyone who does anything. Boom. Jimmy Fallon used to making people laugh, really made us cry right there and nailed it. Any of us should and really have to learn from the legacy of Kobe Bryant. If you don't learn from Kobe, you failed. And you can choose your example. It could be one, work as hard as Kobe did at anything, at anything in life, and you will succeed. Two, approach what you do with the kind of passion and the kind of vigor that he did, and you will succeed at anything. And three, could be how he embraced parenthood, how he attacked it the way he did basketball, how his daughter Gigi, who died with him, was his best friend. That's why I'm still hurting, Ross. This is a father. I can't get over this one because like Jimmy Kimmel said, he felt like a superhero, someone who is immortal, someone we've watched since they were 17. Well, everything I've read and heard since this happened about him as a father is awesome. You know, taking the helicopter back after the shoot-around so he could pick up his kids from school, bring them home, and then the helicopter back to L.A. for the game so he could get that 20 minutes with his daughters. Uh, that's how I try to be a lot. Uh, I think that is everything. I love that about him. I love that he told L. Duncan from ESPN that he's a dad, he's a girl dad and loves it and what a blessing. I have two girls. Uh, and I, I'd like to think that everybody that has children in general, maybe girls in particular, feels that way. And I think that they do, that they, just, they probably just don't put make it as much of a priority as he did. So I think that'd be a great takeaway from him. I also think, Dave, and this is something I think is interesting to talk about tomorrow. I wonder if for guys like Kobe and Tiger, I wonder if the fact that they did have an issue and they came back from that almost makes them more likable and more relatable to a lot of people than like a an Eli Manning or a Derek Jeter, if that makes sense. You know, almost like Eli Manning and Derek Jeter, that's like, they're perfect. It, it, it's almost like uh, Kobe and Tiger and uh, the issues that they had earlier in their lives make them more relatable. Maybe that's a topic for another day, but just something I've been thinking about. It is, and it is a good topic for another day. And as we uh, say goodbye here, let's listen quickly to the San Francisco 49ers on opening night at the Super Bowl, reflecting on the loss of their hero, their friend, Kobe Bryant. Here are the Niners. You know, I was really sad yesterday, and I was sad this morning. I was, I was kind of down. I was, I was in the dumps, and then I just thought about what he would tell me, you know what I mean? He would tell me, stop being a baby and man up and, and, and play it and do it in his honor and, and win this game for him, you know, and that's what we're going to try to do. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to go out there and try to, try to play, play some dominating ball, ball um, just like he wanted. You know, the Mamba mentality still lives on. I guess the biggest Mamba mentality moment of my career was getting up from a torn Achilles and walking off the field. You know, I, I, you know you, I, I saw him do it. You know, I saw him make two free throws and, and walk off with a torn Achilles. And once I tore mine, I knew I had to walk off. You know, I knew, I knew, like he said before, we're different animals, but the same beast. Like we, we got a lot, we're built up a lot of the same stuff, and I, I had to be able to walk that off. I think it's as sad as anything that's you could hear. I, uh, Kobe, I think, was amazing to everyone. I think it's affected everyone in California, a ton, everyone in the country, everyone in the in the world, and uh, shows how much he meant to everyone. <clears throat> to hear um, people talk about how he was with his family and stuff the last couple of days, and. To know um, that happened with him and his 13-year-old daughter, I think it's very crushing and um, makes you want to appreciate your loved ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, I heard it on the plane ride uh, here yesterday, actually, and just, I mean, it. Uh, when I first heard it, I didn't even believe it, and it's just, it's hard to accept. But just, uh, you know, condolences to his family and all the other families that were on the flight too. Just, I mean, unbelievable. San Francisco 49ers, Richard Sherman, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, and Jimmy Garoppolo reflecting on the loss of Kobe Bryant. We'll talk more Kobe tomorrow on the program, including a movement to get Kobe Bryant to be the new logo. Kendrick Perkins 
a good friend of the show and NBA champ. He said that's the way the NBA should honor Kobe. And millions of people across the country are weighing in on that. Is that a bridge too far here? Is that disrespectful of Michael Jordan? Is that disrespectful of LeBron James? Even Wes Welker, former Patriots wide receiver, joining the millions who think that should happen. Jamal Crawford, former NBA star, sixth man of the year. He too thinks Kobe should be the new logo. So we'll discuss that. We'll discuss the commercials that make the Super Bowl great. And how does pro football focus see this particular matchup? What do they think is the must-watch positional battle in the Super Bowl? Is it Kelsey v. Kittle? Is it Sherman v. Tyron Matthew? A lot to get to on tomorrow's program. But before we go, we want to remind you that it's a new year. The perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level is by hiring the right people. But as you know, finding qualified candidates can be very challenging. It can make you pull your hair out, but not at ZipRecruiter. They take the hair pulling out of the process. They make it easy. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can check out ZipRecruiter for free. You got to check out this address at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. That'll do it for Home and Home on a Tuesday. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. Back tomorrow with more Super Bowl discussion and how history might repeat itself with a high-flying, high-scoring offense being stopped by a great defense. See you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.